0: Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. I am excited because our year, our year, are you guys ready for the word? You guys need to wake up a little bit. We need to do a little stretching, a little... No, you did enough up, down, sit down. Okay. All right. So um, I want to talk about taking territory through synergy. Now, um, I recognize that um, as we've been talking about this over and over and over throughout the year, that it's easy to let a catchphrase like synergy... She's kind of like, a, it's actually like a, kind of a weird term to use in a spiritual regard. You know, some people go, "Ooh, he's preaching woo-woo. <laughs> oh, he's preaching the new agey stuff. Synergy. I was at a, I do board uh, training and development and I was at a, a board retreat and we were working on their mission and vision and values and we're doing all of that and And we were talking about values. And one of the people said the word synergy. And this gal, one of the gals, she's an attorney in town. She goes, I hate that word. It's so overused. So I was like... (laughs) Oh. <laughs> well, it's overused at Harvest Valley because we talk about it every week, all year. We're talking about synergy. And we're talking about taking territory through synergy. We're talking about getting to the places that God has called us to go by doing it together, by coming together, by by what you can do on your own is so limited, and yet when two come together, there is a multiplication because God's math isn't one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals exponential growth. That's how his math works. So I'm excited about this because synergy by definition is the interaction or cooperation of two or more entities. That's groups, people, chemicals, Things that come together and what they do is they produce a combined effect that is greater than the sum of their separate effects. Like what, what what Mika can do alone is awesome. She's amazing. But what we can do together is exponentially greater than what we can do apart. That's why God gave us in marriage. It's an amazing thing, right? Sometimes it's been dumbed down to, to like... Well, you just got to get married or you just got to, you know, like there's actually purpose behind it, right? Now, it's a blessing to be single and to be able to allow you and the Lord to have that synergy that produces more with you and him together than you would ever do alone on your own. So we're going to break this down a little bit. I have a first point for you today for our note takers, uh, for our amazing note takers. Number one, God created us to reproduce, God created us to reproduce. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's look at Genesis, right? God creates heaven and earth, right? Genesis 1. Day 1, he starts light and dark. And day 2, he's putting together a firmament, separating skies, water, land, doing all that stuff. And day 3, he puts vegetation and trees and, and fruit and seed and all that stuff on the, on the ground, Right? And so we go through all of these measures, you know, then he puts the stars and does all of that stuff on day four. And uh, day five, we see uh, fish and creepy things, you know, uh, we see, we see God create birds and fish and creepy things. And then, um, then we see animals um, and cattle and every other kind of creeping thing on day six. And that's also when he creates man. And so we see in this creation process that there's a, there's a theme. Do you guys know the theme that's repeated every single day from God? It's good. It is good. Right? He says, creates it and he goes, that's good. Hey, that's good. I spend a lot of time creating uh, music. Uh, with either my studio speakers or my headphones when Mika's like, I don't want to hear that sound again. So then I have to put on the headphones, um, but (laughs) it happens. Uh, yes, because I, I'm, I've got something on repeat and I'm like picking out a frequency in the sound to try and get rid of. And she's like, I can't take it anymore. You know? So, (laughs) so I spend time creating and it's so fun when something's done because I can listen to it and go, oh, that's good. Right. How many of you have ever painted? And you get to that point where you're like, there it is. It's good. Right? You know? I don't know what he was thinking when he made snakes. But they were slithering when he said it was good. Right? (laughs) I said that for my wife who hates snakes. All right. In Genesis 127, um, we see that God creates man in his own image, in the image of God. He creates him male and female. He creates them. You, you know what's interesting about whenever he creates a living thing, and I would put trees, plants, vegetation as a living thing because it can grow and die. Would you agree? Yeah. And it can come out of, there's a, there's a reproduction process, there's a growing, there's a dying process, right? And with, with every animal, fish, insect, none of them live forever, right? They all have a life cycle and they're all called to reproduce. Well, at creation, there was no death. So these things were meant to just reproduce. What's amazing to me is that on day three, day five, and day six is that he makes this other phrase which I think is really important on day three, day five, and day six. He says that when he creates them, he creates them according to their kind. So when he creates them, he keeps using this word according to their kind, according to the kind. And this is why I'm a young, I'm a young earth creationist. I just put it out there. I know some of you might laugh at me. It's okay. I believe that science has been trying to disprove God instead of affirm God. I think it's amazing to me that we live in a world and all of our science is based on materialism. A hundred percent of all of our science is based on materialism, which is what I can see, what I can feel, what I can, you know, like what I can observe. And yet we believe unobservable and non-replicable theories as if it's true. Why? Because it's a belief system. It's, It's a faith issue. So I choose to believe God's word. That's me. Now, the reason why I say that is because, and I, I wasn't going to say it, but I felt like I, was, I would just throw it out there because the reality is, is that God created things according to their kind, which is why you don't have half monkey, half human running around. You don't have it. It's... They still can't find it. That thing doesn't exist. But we're told that's the truth. Let me just, and the only reason why I think it's important is because until we get a biblical worldview on how God made us to reproduce, we will not understand what multiplication in the kingdom looks like. We don't understand that when you sow, you reap according to its kind. That's how God at creation established it. See, God created us male and female for a purpose. For the sake of reproduction according to its kind. And it says that it created it. Male and female in the image of God. That women carry a part of God and and men carry a part of God. But the perfect picture of what it looks like for God to be on the earth is the marriage covenant of a husband and wife coming together. And in the same way, it's Christ in the church that comes together that it reveals the glory of God in the earth. Are we doing okay? All right. Don't trust me. I mean, don't trust me. uh, Trust me, I'm going somewhere. Don't worry. Hold on. (laughs) Wow. See, God chose in his wisdom that two would be better than one. God knew and had planned the entire time for Eve to be made from Adam's rib. It was not an accident, it was not a mistake. God's plan has been synergy from the beginning for the two to come together and produce something that could never be made on their own. Now, the reality is is that God always uses a process requiring more than one thing to come together in order to produce any new thing. Let me say it again. He always requires two things to come together in order for a new thing to happen. The reproduction cycle of plants is not a solo event. It requires two. Ha! Every animal. I don't care what animal it is, requires two. This is God's design. We live in an amazing age of technology where someone could be totally single and by themselves and have a baby. But it still required someone else's something. Whether it was a sperm or an egg, it required something else. Right? Even in our Twisted concept that we can be fiercely independent in light of of technology. It's not true. It's not true. All right. So why is this important for us to remember today? Listen, God wants to reproduce himself in us. God wants to reproduce himself in us. God wants to reproduce himself in us, in us according to his kind according to his kind. See, God wants us to know him and partner with him more than ever before. See, he wants to be the partner with you for synergy in your life, to create something amazing in your life. He wants to be your partner. If you, for each, I don't care if you're married or single. This has to be the case for you. Where you are creating something greater when your partnership with God than you would ever create by yourself. Because he wants to empower you by his spirit to do something that you couldn't ever do on your own. This is why Jesus came. Because you were separated from God. You couldn't know him. You would have opportunity if you were born or converted into Judaism, and then you had to go through the sacrificial system. You'd have to give up a lamb, maybe even a cow. You might have to give some turtle doves, some flowers, some oil, some wine. You'd have to tie. You got to follow all the law. You got to do all that, and then you got to get all the sacrifices to make it all good for you. But see, Jesus comes, and he dies on the cross, and when he dies on the cross, his blood is shed, and his blood is the thing that covers all of your sin. His back is whipped. And Dennis, what a great communion message this morning. See, see the, the beautiful thing about the cross and the beautiful thing about that is that Jesus stands in our place so that we can have synergy with God, so that we can come back into covenant, into contact with the living God. And because of that, now he gets to live inside of us. We say, yes, I receive forgiveness of all my sin because it was my sin. Isaiah 59, one says that our, it was our sin that separates us from God. God's arm is not too short to save and his ear is not too dull to hear, but it's our iniquity, our sin that separates us from God. So when we recognize that all the sin was put on Jesus, which is why he carried the drops of blood and prayed so diligently in the garden because he knew he was going to be separated from his father, experiencing the full weight of all of our sin on him. So it's in this place where Jesus now makes a way for us to come into contact with him and, and to freely enter into relationship where I can now be part of his family, part of his lineage. I have the same blood that he had bleeding on the cross now in me because he did the work of for me. And now, you know, what's even better is that he rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, it says now we also can walk in newness in a resurrected life. We don't have to live the old way. We don't have to be subject to our anger and rage. We don't have to be subject to lust and fear. We don't have to be subject to the things that would so easily entrap us because he rose from the grave and the Holy Spirit came upon us to give us the power to live a new way. If you don't know Jesus today and you know that you don't live in that power, I encourage you to give your life fully to him and ask him to come and transform your heart. That's what he wants. He wants access. And only you can give him to him because he's a gentleman. He'll never force it. God wants to reproduce himself in us. He wants to be the partner with us for synergy. And the cross is the catalyst for eternal transformation that begins in our hearts. And it produces fruit according to his kind. It produces fruit according to his kind. Um, if you have your Bibles open with me to John 15, please. John 15. This is a nod to Jennifer. John 15. We got a little group chat. Mika's been working on stuff from her office and Jen said, oh, I, me- I said John 10, 10, but I meant John 15, 5. So let's read John fifteen five because it's in my sermon notes. Yep, God's good like that. All right. We're going to read verses 4 and 5. Okay, which says, abide in me and I in you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you produce God fruit unless you abide in Christ. See, when we come to Jesus, we become part of the branch. We become engrafted into Christ. And now we can begin to produce the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of God. We can begin to produce. Verse 5 says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Say much fruit. There's much fruit for apart from me, for without me, you can do nothing. So Jesus even says like you, you can't even participate in the God fruit game. I won't even let you on the field to play the game unless you're in me. You can do nothing, nothing. Well, that should cut some pride out of our hearts about how awesome we are. I was <laughs> like, you know, I was like, come on. Like, wait, wait. All of my greatness is not that great. Without him, it's just not. It's not. Right? All right, now let's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust right past verse six, but I'm going to hit verse seven. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Let me break this down for you. Jesus loves the word if. He loves conditional statements. Some of us wish that God didn't use the word if, but he does. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Let me tell you, there, this is not selfish asking. Why? Why? His words abide in you. I'll talk to you guys. His words abide in you. And when his words abide in you, when you speak as an oracle of God, when you speak, you're speaking his words. And when you speak his word, it's done for you. Because you're abiding in him and he's abiding in you. And his word abides in you. And when that happens, look out. We're running around wondering, God, where are you? He's standing in the same seat he's been in the entire time. God hasn't moved. We just have to come and abide. Come to him to abide. Abide. Say God, I'm going to come and just be with you. That's why we did our Friday night worship gathering. It was so powerful because there was there was no preaching, there was no ministry, there was no like I got a word. There was none of that. You know what it was? Is we're just going to minister to Jesus. We're just going to praise Him. See, it's in that place that we abide. And he abides in you, and his word abides in you. Listen, if you're not reading your Bible consistently, you're not going to have his word abiding in you. (laughs) I get a little frustrated with the really cool people who outgrow the Bible. You know, that are like, I don't need to read the Bible anymore. I've read it so many times, I kind of know it pretty good. The people who do that tend to slide it's sad to watch. Let his word abide in you. Let his word abide in you. Get it in you. Okay. I have 14 pages and I'm halfway through. No, I'm just kidding. I only have two pages. (laughs) See, the best synergy is when you are with him, abiding in him. You become like him and you will reproduce his character, his nature, his love. You will be his disciple and you will speak his word. All right. Sowing, okay, because vine branches, right? We talk about vine and branches. So the one thing that he says that we are responsible to do, there's lots of things we're responsible for. One of the things that we're responsible to do with his word, right? And my word abides in you is that we're to sow his word. We're to be sowers of the word. Come on. See, sowing the word of God creates synergy. Sowing the word of God creates synergy. Chris, what are you talking about? Verse 28 of Genesis chapter 1 says, Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply... Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. See, God created man to have a purpose here on the earth, a purpose here. The idea of subduing a planet is to bring all of the chaos into order. Why? Because things were just growing. Animals were just doing their thing reproduction was happening he says hey you guys go call it go give it order subdue it. it is to put it in order now the goal of man is to bring a heavenly order to this created earth i'll say it again some of us have never thought in, these regard, in this regard before. The goal of man is to bring heavenly, God's order, God's heavenly order to the earth. The idea of subduing a planet, right, is to bring chaos into order. But God also wanted man to live in abundance according to his kind. According, because he said he made, we, he, we were made in his image. We're made according to his kind. And so every time, everything that we produce should be according to his kind, not our kind, his kind. Yeah. The command starts with doing something that you can't take responsibility for. Can I just say that, that when he tells you to be fruitful, you don't get to be responsible for fruit. Yeah. See, when he says be fruitful, like we participate in the process, but conception is from the Lord. Yeah. Amen. It's from the Lord. They've studied it. There's a spark of life that happens when, when the sperm and the egg meet, there's a literal energy spark that happens. Hallelujah. They see it now. They can see it now and go, oh, that doesn't happen anywhere else in the known universe. It doesn't happen in other animals. It only happens in humans. Because the Holy Spirit brings life to it. Whew. At conception. Woo. We don't get that. We, we can play our part. But listen. The miracle of life is God's action. It is not ours. And, and we have to remember that God's fruit isn't because we did it. Right. We do our part. And when we do our part, he does it. Yeah. He's the one who provides the miracle and produces the fruit. See, when we understand that sowing in the kingdom creates synergy, we know that as we sow our seed in the kingdom of heaven, as we give the word of God, as we sow whatever it is that God asks you to give, as you give it as seed, when you give it as seed, God now can do a miracle through his process, because he promises that whatever we do, when we do it unto him, he's going to bless it. What does a blessing look like in the kingdom? Multiplication. Yeah. We, we, some of us are still stuck on one for one. Some of you think, man, if I give 10%, he's going to give me 10% back. We have a spiritual God who gives spiritual gifts and does spiritual things. A healthy tither isn't worried about the dollars. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. That took a while. Woo. Okay. So listen, when we give to the Lord, it's because we're worshiping. When we sow unto God, he's going to produce according to his kind. I'm not worried about which fruit comes. It's his kind. (laughs) It's your poverty spirit that's worried about the dollar amount. One part, our part, in multiplication in the kingdom of heaven is sowing. Uh, great testimony. I forgot Warren was going to be in the all-in journey. So I was like, hey, can you share this testimony? But he shared this testimony um, in pre-service prayer about how he's putting grass out of his new house. And he sowed this, he just like put seed in the ground, like so, you know, just doing grass seed out there. And there was grass in four days. that don't happen. And you know, what's amazing about that is that when our part is to sow the seed, God is even in charge of the timing of the return. Good soil might produce faster. All right. So let's talk about this. If you have your Bibles, flip with me over to Luke, Luke chapter 8. Sowing is giving, it is investing, it is worship. Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the shortest one is in Luke (laughs) 8. So here we are. A sower went out, verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. Say a hundredfold. See, the crop wasn't one seed, one sprout. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So as we see, if we just drop down a little bit, the, the, Jesus is like, Okay, you guys aren't getting what I'm doing with the parable, so let me just explain it. Right? And they're like, What's that mean? So, so Jesus explains it to the, to his disciples in Luke 8, 8, 11 through 15. I'll just summarize the wayside. He's like, okay, the wayside means that they're under a demonic influence and their hearts are unable to receive it in the moment. There's no growth. The seed sown, no growth. Nothing happens. The seed sown, there's nothing there. And it's because the devil is at work to try and prevent any growth. Okay. So where you've been sowing seed and you've noticed no growth, it might be time to deal with a demon if you need help, let me know. The Holy Spirit will guide you. But I'm telling you, that might be, that might be a place where there's some demonic influence. All right. I'm not going to get sidetracked on that, but if you're curious, come see me. The second is the rocky ground. This is a quick sprout. Boom. It's right there. But it has no roots. And when temptation comes, when, when there is difficulty in temptation, right? Temptation is like Yes, God, I love you. This is the process, the way I see it. God, I love you. I'm for you. I, I, just, I just have this encounter. I, I went to a worship experience Friday night, and I felt his presence for the first time ever, and I'm sold. I'm in. God, I'm all in. And then, you know, it's like, hey, whisper. Right, the temptation comes to doubt whether or not the experience was real. The temptation comes to go back to go back to the thing that actually brought you comfort, which might have be, you know, alcohol or pornography or, or some other thing that just like got you trapped, right? Something, right? It could, could, could be any temptation, right? That comes along your plate and you go, well, I don't know if I got, you know, I'm going to go do that. And so then we, we instead like, oh, we're excited. We have this experience. And now because of temptation, we now turn and follow in a different direction, Okay? That that means that as it says, as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked, oh wait, yep, because it lacked moisture. The rocky ground is short growth. Right? The wayside's no growth. Rocky ground is short growth. Like there was there was something that happened. And I see this happen with a lot of young believers. They 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 have an encounter, they have an experience, and they're like, yeah, I'm all in. And then you start discipling, and they're like, eh, and they you know, it's, they have some other, some other thing that's got them bound up, and they go back, right? The temptation leads them back away. And now, I'm not saying they don't come back to this spot right again later, right? Because God's faithful, and we pray. Amen. Okay. Now. Among the thorns is interesting. This is anxiety and a need for comfort in this life. Oh, wait, wait. He says, um, yes, the, the thorns, they sprang up with it and they choked it. And he says, hmm, the, the pleasures of this world, anxiety and our need for comfort in this life. Listen, the plants are growing up with the weeds. This is Believers. That are, that are the seed has taken root. There's fruit. There is no fruit. But they're being produced. They look like it. They even probably smell like it. But there's no fruit. So there's growth. But it's immature growth. It's immature growth. Because they're not actually producing fruit. Why? Because they're more worried about what this life. Than they are about being with him. They didn't understand that the seed of the word was for this dynamic, powerful relationship with God that allows you to be according to his kind and to produce his fruit. And you're sitting over here trying to be in Jesus and produce your own fruit. If you're trying to be in Jesus and still produce your own fruit, you'll never produce God fruit. You have to let go of your desire to produce your own fruit. To control your circumstances to the penny. All right, so then we've got good soil. Good soil is good hearts that keep the word and wait for the fruit to come. This is mature growth. Now what's beautiful, let me just tell you what's amazing about the kingdom of God. How many of you have had seed and you realize like, oh, there's a quick sprout there and God went through and he started uh, taking out some of the stones, start clearing out the rocks around you. He'll start clearing it out for you. He'll start be like, okay, I'm going to put a scarecrow right here for those birds. I'm going to put an angel in your corner so that the devil can't come steal the seed again. I'm going to come clean the ground and get the ground closed. Oh, we need to get in some, some, some what's our little weed eater thing? The little like, yeah, you know, like we've got this special little tool that just annihilates weeds. It's great. So then God starts weeding all around you. Maybe you do need to separate from your friends. Maybe you do want to repent for trying to control your checkbook so much that God can't move you into a place of abundance. There are, there are, and I just use those. I, listen, the only reason why I mention the money is because it's tangible. Yeah. Like, like, there's so many spiritual elements, but God says, "I've got a tangible way for you to experience my abundance." Yeah. And he's, and he says clearly that that's money, over and over and over and over and over and over. He says it's money. I'm going to show you in money, and I'm not saying that that we get greedy with God. It's all His. We're stewards. It's all His. Okay, Amen. I got an Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Looking for that agreement. He'll clear. He'll clear out. He'll clear out the, the ground that we're on, so that like like Warren plants his seed. And they actually had gone through and pulled out rocks, and they'd cleaned it up, and they'd cleared it up, and they prepared the soil and sowed the seed. Four days, grass. So great. Now, God wants us to sow into people. Let me just say this. His word is the seed. People are the soil. Jesus modeled what synergy was like throughout his ministry. He abided with the Father. He would go and get alone. He with him. He spent time with him. And then he sends out the 12 and says, go two by two. Sends out the 72. He says, go two by two for the purpose of synergy. Why? He wanted to multiply the impact that the seed would have on entire cities. Paul also understood synergy and um, multiplication. He understood God's math. And he went, he went, you watch Paul, he goes two by two, wherever he goes. Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Timothy. I know, he's always getting in trouble. It's true. But he went two by two, and then, and then he sets Timothy up as, a, as the pastor over, over the, or the church leader, whatever you want to call it, over the city of Ephesus. It was the largest church in the world at the time. And he sets this young guy over the whole thing. And he tells him this in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. He says, in the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There are four, four generations, Jesus, Paul, him, Timothy, faithful men, and faithful men also. So five generations if you include Jesus. Four generations with Paul that are multiplying and being impact, impact leaders in the kingdom of God. Multiplication was understood. The truth of multiplication is that we are reproducing who we are. Are we according to his kind? Because we reproduce who we are. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says this, Paul's writing to the church of Thessalonica and he says, having thus a fond affection for you, we were well-pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. We didn't just impart to you words, we imparted our life, our own lives, because you'd become very dear to us. There's a there's a beautiful thing because we love people deeply the way that the father loves we give words of life the way the father encourages us we're called to encourage one another as we walk out Being according to his kind, living filled with the fruit of the spirit, being filled with the power of God. As we come in contact with people, we are now sowing the word. And let me tell you, as you sow the word with your life, as you sow the word with your mouth, as you sow the word with your actions, you will begin to replicate, reproduce, and multiply according to To God's kind. Because, I love this, because they became very dear to us, Paul says. Listen, we gave our whole lives to you because you became dear to us. Are we willing to lay our life down to sow into others? Or are we so afraid and self-protective that we won't let anybody in? Are we afraid of being exposed? Are we afraid That people will see us for who we really are. And and I don't want to reproduce according to that kind. Listen, if any of those things are real for you, it's really easy to resolve. It's really easy to resolve. You just come to the Lord and you ask for forgiveness for those areas where you've withheld his word and his love from those around you. And he forgives you freely. But you actually have to come and ask. I I noticed a pattern about two years ago where people were acknowledging their sin, but never dealing with it with God. Where people, yeah, 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 no, I know I blew it, da, 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 da. And they just trounce along. I'm like, are you going to like repent? We got to like go before God and ask forgiveness. Say, God, I don't want that way anymore. Show me who do you say that I really am? Because the only reason why I believe that I am not good enough to share the word or that I am not of great enough value to pour my life into somebody else is because I'm believing a lie about who I was, not who I am. He has washed you. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if all things have become new, let me tell you, it is time for you to speak up and speak out the seed, the word of the Lord. Be an oracle of God. Be one who releases life into every situation Man, the Lord has been cutting me off at the knees with my mouth lately. Yeah. Huh, honey? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yes. Yes, the Lord has been shutting you up. It's beautiful. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's not good. But, there's this, but there is this reality where I love to complain. I've got this, I have this habit of, I don't like that. No, no, like. I blame it on external processing because if it hopped in my head, it tended to just come out of my mouth, you know, like, you know, and I got to like shut it down. Lord, can I process with you? And in that processing with him, he leaves me with a new heart for the person. He leaves me, you know, I just bring him my junk and he, he, he sets me up with a new idea, a new mindset. He gives me a heart for people. I was struggling with somebody and God said, this is who they are. And I'm like, oh, that's who they are. I see it. I got nothing to complain about. Are you kidding me? Nothing to complain about. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this person. Thank you, Lord, for who they are. Flipped in a moment. But you have to actually come to God to get God fruit. You don't get God fruit without being with him. So go be with him. Can we take a moment to do that now? All right. So, Father, we just thank you that that you are... The one in whom we come in our brokenness. You're the one in whom we come to with all of our faults, with all of our failures. And we ask God that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness right now, God. Any areas where we have been, been withholding our love and affection. Where we have been afraid to fully expose the love of God to the world around us. God, I pray that you would remove those areas. Any lies that we believed. God, will you cleanse us and purify us? And I'm just going to take a moment of silence. You begin to deal with that. And as we close out our time together, I believe that God is going to leave you transformed to bear fruit according to his kind today. Let's take a moment. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media@hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.